Welcome back to the Call to Build podcast. This is episode nine, and we're going to be discussing the fear of success. Now, I know we've already discussed fear in an earlier episode, but in this, we're going to get a little more specific because when I was really journeying through this path that God had me on in taking me to address the things that were holding me back, this was one of those topics. And you might ask me, Ashley, who on earth would fear success? Because isn't that what we're all kind of looking towards and wanting in our lives, why on earth would we be afraid of it? And I would have agreed with you, and I have found that it's hard to find a lot of information on this topic, but I've done some research, I've done some looking into it, and it is a thing, and it's something that I have really struggled with, and I want to just put some words around it so that you understand and come at it from the perspective of someone who loves and follows Jesus, because this can and does stop us a lot of times, and I just want to break it down a little bit for us. So this could be successful in business, if you have a business, in ministry, in pursuing these things that you want to do for Christ, or this could even simply be success in walking in freedom in Christ and what that might look like. Because this is what the bottom line comes down to. One of the first things that in the reason why we might fear success is because of judgments. And I might do a whole episode about judgment and all of that because the Lord really, really raked me over the coals with that one. Just having to really show me that actually what I feared most is what I judged most in others but it's a whole topic to unpack. But this fear of success is rooted in the same way in one of the lanes. And we look at people who are successful, quote unquote, and we decide if they are a good or a bad person. If we decided that someone who has something that we might want, let's say for instance, someone has a book deal. And we have thought we might want a book deal. But the person that we are observing in this instance, we have decided is a bad person. And the way that they have gone about getting the book deal is not the way that we think is best. And so we decide their behavior, actions, thoughts behind it, motive, whatever. We have judged that they are bad. And so we subconsciously say to ourselves, if I become successful, I might become like so-and-so. And we do not want to become like that. And so therefore, we have now equated success in a certain area with someone we will never want to become like. And so we will sabotage ourselves from becoming or pursuing that because we do not want to be bad. We don't want anyone else to judge us like we have just judged them. And because we equate the success with that person and their decisions, we therefore are fearing that we would become that. So therefore we can't, we don't want to do it. 
we have said things in our own hearts and minds, like people who do that are fake, they're needy, they're shallow, etc. I don't want to be like that. So even if I want that good thing, logically, psychologically, we will sabotage ourselves because we don't like those kind of people. So why on earth would I want to become one? So how do we deal with this? Because this is happening constantly. It's how social media is set up where we are going and we're looking and we're comparing ourselves and we are constantly in a realm where we like or don't like something and so we're set up on judging all the time. We're just constantly judging, judging, judging. So the way that we can deal with our judgments is first, notice our thoughts. We have to start thinking what our thoughts are and notice when I see this person, how does it make me feel? How do I react? When I think about doing that thing, how does it make me feel? How do I react? And we have to start noticing those things. We have to, number two, understand why we feel that way. What has our experience been? Because underneath something in that judgment, we have experienced some sort of pain. And that why was that pain afflicted on us? What are we actually protecting ourselves from? I'll give you an example of this, and I've grown a lot in this, and it really had hurt me a lot in my past. And I always go back to these examples, I think, because they're so real and tangible for me to grab onto. But one was eating and my weight, and I was hurt by my mom and she was very much focused on weight and exercise our whole life. Not in a healthy way. She tells me of a memory that she has from when I was three or four, looking in the mirror and saying to myself, I am so fat, because that is what she said to herself every day in the mirror. And so it was this subconscious, you are not good, you are not pretty, you are not worth it unless you're skinny. And so I started to judge people who ate healthy as snobs because there was pain. When my mom would try to discuss with me healthy eating in that time in my life and I felt not skinny and not beautiful and not worth it, that there was a pain underneath that, you know? And so when... I would hear other people talk about healthy eating or healthy choices. I would automatically, that pain would actually trigger my heart. But instead of feeling like, oh, like I'm so pain, I'm in so much pain. Instead, I would just be like, they're such, they're such snobs. Like, ew, like I don't ever want to be a snob like that. I don't want to be a food Pharisee, I would call them, like people who look down on other people because they can't keep the rules of food <laughs> as strictly as them. And so I, I wanted to be healthy and I wanted to lose some weight in order to help me feel better about myself. But I would sabotage myself every single time because I didn't want to become like these people that I perceived as being hurtful to me because there was a root that was tied underneath all of that. So the Lord really had to help me dig that up and look at it. And to be honest, it's still a work in progress 
because every time I see someone else doing something good, it triggers in me that somehow I'm not good enough. And this can be for any aspect of our life. So we see someone doing something that we feel that he has talked to us about in the past, write a book, start a business, reach out to a relationship that needs restoration, whatever. We see someone up in our grill doing that thing and it triggers and it jumps on that exposed nerve like you should be doing this and you are bad and that, you know, all the things that come from having that nerve trampled on. And so we just assign people in, in certain things that we actually might want in our lives, but we assign them these bad labels because it does trigger something in us. And so all that to say that what is it in your life that you've wanted? Maybe it's more joy. Maybe it's more love. Maybe it's to start something and you found someone or there's been a circumstance in your life that you've equated, well, if I want to do that, I have to become like this person and that person did it in this certain kind of way that I have felt was either painful or not the right way to do it. And so I won't ever allow myself to become like that. But another thing, the third thing that we can do to deal with these judgments is to look for people that we respect and admire and know their character who are doing that thing. So once we deal with the pain and what is it that's triggering us, you know, is there anyone that is doing it that we know are not like that, that we see as healthy and balanced in really trusting the Lord in whatever that circumstance might be? And what we might have to do is for that person that is our trigger or the way that it's connected, I, I know the Lord can bring clarity to that, is to pray for that person for blessing over their life and forgive them. They might not even know they've done anything. It might be a long, a far distance judgment that we've held. But in order to move on, in order to maybe even step into what God has for us, we're going to need to deal with some of these things because we will sabotage ourselves from ever becoming or pursuing some of those things simply because we've held wrong judgments over them. Another thing with a fear of success is just the fear behind the success. So if I want to be successful, but then I don't become successful, I will deal with disappointment. And maybe this is more fear of failure if we just reverse it. We don't want to get our hopes up and we don't want to look like a fool. So we keep ourselves safe by never trying. So we can't ever know if we will have success because we refuse to try. It's something to sit and think about and reflect on is, is there any kind of fear? Have I experienced trying something in the past and it not going the way that I thought it would? So therefore, I, I will not put myself in that position again. We also can fear rejection. What if I become successful and I make people feel uncomfortable because of that and they reject me? This is something that I've struggled with as well. And I, I wonder too, because it's something that has resided in my heart. Because once again, 
when someone's doing something that we desire for our own lives, it it's almost like holding up a mirror <laughs> to ourselves. The enemy uses it in that way to say, you're a failure, you're behind, you're not good. And it's almost as though we reject them because they are pointing out to us where we wish we were and we resent them for it. But really, it has nothing to do with them. And we can't spend our entire lives blaming other people for the prisons that we allow ourselves to remain in. I remember really struggling with this, and and really, the Lord's still dealing with this in me, having to let go and let Him point out to me who is this for me that I need to, to bless and pray for, because I've noticed in my life that people that I'm perceptive to that deal with life like me, they are trigger people for me <laughs> because probably because I see myself in them so much. And so if I see them say something, respond in some way, not do something, I know, I think, wow, that's exactly what I would do. And it, it makes me frustrated with them. Or, you know, it could just be a lot of just internal dialogue, which I know you guys all can relate to. But a lot of times, because of that struggle, I don't want anyone to feel like I am a threat to them. I remember in high school or whatever, early college days, if me and another girl both liked the same guy, that was like disgusting to me. I'm not going to be in a competition. If this is a competition, you win and I, I'm out. So I hate that feeling. And for a lot of time, I just would, with wanting to speak and write. I mean, there's so many of us that want to speak and write and it feels like there's only a few positions and only a few people can do that. And you better, I don't know, win. (laughs) But the Lord's helping to break me free of that, that there is room enough for all of us. And that, that is why I'm doing this podcast, because I want to see other speakers, teachers, writers, do what they're called to do because for so long I believed that there's only enough room for a couple people and that is not true. Even if the message is for one, it matters and we all need to share it. But I was so afraid, like what if I do succeed and get an opportunity or or a chance or I was so afraid that people might reject me and push me away and I would rather not be successful then be rejected. That was the bottom line fear. And this is something the Lord has also had to deal with me because he didn't call us to be liked by everyone. And we cannot be responsible for other people's insecurities. You know, should that other person that I was presenting because they had an opportunity that I wish that I had stop doing what they're called to do because I feel that way? I mean, it just sounds so silly, yet I've done that over and over again because I don't want people to feel uncomfortable around me or because of me. And I was talking to my mentor, Melissa, and she gave me this hair analogy. And she didn't know the extent of the craziness of my hair. And when is this ever going to get better? I have no idea. But she said, like, you have good hair. And she said, what if someone else wanted good hair? but they couldn't have it. Would you shave your head because you felt bad that you have good hair? And I thought, well, no. (laughs) And she said, you know, 
the gifts that we've been given are exactly that, just their gifts. And we are responsible to steward those gifts. And we can't be responsible for how other people are dealing with their insecurities. We have to deal with our own insecurities. And you guys know we have plenty of those on our own. We need to love people and encourage people and support people. But that's where it ends. We cannot be responsible for how they're dealing with it, even if it makes us feel insecure and as a result. Because we can control what we're our responses, but we can't control what they're feeling. And so when we are fully being ourselves, sometimes that might make people feel uncomfortable because it is a little challenge to us to say, oh, wow, look at that girl. She's going for it. She's doing it. Look, she's like, she's wrestling it out with the Lord. Wow. I see her walking in freedom and it reminds us what's possible. And we always have to go back to what is God asking of me? And that is what we need to be doing and surrendering and submitting. What do you think of me? What are you saying? We always bring it back to him, but we cannot fear rejection more than we fear God. And that is one reason why we might fear success because we do not want to be rejected by our peers. If I become successful, will I be rejected? Is it worth it? One more thing is fear of change and the unknown. We know how to do what we've been doing all this time. But if we succeed in a dream or walking in a freedom with Christ that we've never been to before, we don't know what we will find there. And it's scary. We could make a bigger impact on people, but we aren't sure we can handle that. On a website by the name of nickwignall.com, he just defines fear of success like this. Fear of success usually doesn't mean a literal fear of success. People fear the result and the consequences of it. It's usually learned at a young age, and like a lab rat learns not to touch the red button after the electric shocks, we also learn to avoid success if at one point being successful was followed by something painful. So we avoid things, but when we avoid things, it's often made worse. We are unintentionally behaving in ways that reinforce and strengthen that fear. Is it really going to be more painful? Is it embarrassing to be successful? Maybe. And that is a real thing in pain that we have to look at and address. And I went through a season in my life, probably five-ish years, where if something could go wrong, it did. Everything. It was, Daniel and I got to the point where we would laugh, like, really? This? Another thing? Okay, whatever, you know? And after we started coming out of that season, I have to say, I I felt like I had a little PTSD. Like, I don't know if I want to try anything again because everything has gone wrong for so long. And it's like, you have to emerge from that and start taking risks again. Get up and be brave. So here's some things that we might do in order to avoid And this is, again, from NickWignall.com, who is a licensed psychologist in cognitive behavioral from the Institute of Albuquerque. He says, if you avoid taking on a big project, if you shy away from compliments or praise, if if you semi-consciously sabotage yourself in order to not be recognized or promoted by showing up late or producing sloppy work, 
If you choose continually to hang around people who won't challenge or push you to do better or improve. So how can we as Christians, though, view success? Because that's from a worldly perspective. Oswald Chambers said that worship is when you give your best to God. There's an article in ChristianityToday.com by Fred Smith, and it says success is the ratio of talents used to talents received. So this goes back to being responsible for what God has given us not in order to show off or become super great and look at me, but to simply be faithful with things that God has given us. What are you doing with what you've got and who are you becoming? If you're growing and using a large percentage of your talents, you are successful, Smith says. He goes on to say an unsuccessful person is one who didn't use the chances he or she had. He could have developed himself. He could have made a contribution to life. He could have become a mature Christian, but he didn't. It is my challenge as a leader to keep this from happening and giving permission to succeed is a good starting place. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much will be required. It doesn't mean being better known or having more. The biblical definition is that you'll mature as a Christian and use a greater portion of your talents. Failure or not trying to be successful does not equal more godliness. Any more than being poor or unhealthy makes you more godly. Sometimes it's just a matter of thinking about what we're thinking about in regards to success. Sometimes we think, you know, if I'm successful and that makes people feel uncomfortable, then me bowing out and not trying is the most loving thing to do because it feels like you're humbling yourself, but really you're just giving up because if God told Nehemiah or Noah or whoever it was, like in Nehemiah's case, Sanballat and Tobiah, they did not want that wall to be built and it made them uncomfortable and they tried to stop it repeatedly over and over throughout the entire book. Had Nehemiah had inside of him, oh, it makes them uncomfortable. Oh, I better not do it he would have been in direct disobedience to God. And let's not be ignorant to the fact that the enemy will use our own religious heart against us. We think that we're being humble or submissive or laying ourselves down, which is all good and godly. But just remember that the enemy used scripture on Jesus in the wilderness in order to trap him. What Jesus did was use scripture in correct context, and that is what he did to refute him. So whatever these things are, yeah, let's take it to the word of God. Let's ask ourselves, is this something that is right that I'm doing? Is my behavior, is my fear of wanting success or or backing down from it? Is that godly? Is this what God wants me to do? And really get in there and search it out and ask him for his wisdom. He says that we will get wisdom if we ask for it. So that's what we can do. Let's take a few minutes to just ask ourselves, are there judgments that I'm holding? Are there fears around succeeding that I might need to address? And take those things to God. Listen to him and then obey and step out in faith if he says to move forward. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today and listening to the Call to Build podcast. It would be so helpful if you would rate and review this podcast if you enjoyed it 
and share it with your family and friends so that others can be encouraged in building the kingdom of God in their special and unique way. If you want to take a screenshot of your podcast app and put it up on Instagram stories, be sure to use hashtag call to build and I'm going to be shouting out others who are building God's kingdom. Thank you for being here. Now let's get building.